In the 5th century BC, there was a document written called The Art of War. It's a Chinese document that has been around as a guidebook for over 2,500 years. So this resource that was gifted to us, to humanity, by wise individuals who studied and researched and, and figured out some principles of war. Principles like, you have to know your enemy. Principles like, you must know what your strength is. Or the principle of this, you must have a strategy for victory. These became universal military truths that to this day people use. In fact, uh, there are lots of, of generals, even U.S. military generals, who say this is their favorite book. Books that have taught them what it is. And it's been used... Uh, what it is to fight in battle. And it's been used cross-culturally throughout time in different, different countries and different leadership uh, styles, different approaches. Throughout history, this book has been used as a model. And to this day, we know these truths. We know that you must know your enemy. We know that. We know that there's a difference when you're fighting Nazi forces than when you're fighting communist forces. You have to know your enemy. We realize that you must know your strength. Are you going to rely on your naval hardware? Or are you going to trust espionage? Or are you going to trust military intelligence? And finally, you have to understand your strategy because invading the beaches of Normandy is very different than a standoff at the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so we know this. We all know this. Now, i got to say this. Even if you're not into military and history, I bet you know these strategies. I mean, maybe if you're into movies, but this is as far away from you as possible, these military history, I bet you still know these, these truths. For instance, we have to know our enemy. There's a difference between Vader and Khan, right? There's a difference. If you're fighting Vader, if you're fighting Khan, it's different. Or, or if you're using the Elder Wand versus the Sonic Screwdriver, there's a difference there. And this is important because you don't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? And you don't bring a proton pack when you're marching towards Mount Doom. You don't do that. Okay? You bring a hobbit. And a good hobbit, not a bad hobbit. We don't like bad hobbits, right? Try to get rid of all of our bad hobbits. But here we are, and we're, we're talking about what is it to engage in warfare. And as we look in the book of Ephesians, we see that we too have a book that is designed to teach us about spiritual warfare. It's an older book. In fact, much of the Bible is much older than the art of war. And it brings us this question, does spiritual warfare follow any rules? Does it follow any rules? Is there a strategy for spiritual warfare? How does one battle spiritually? So we've been looking at this series, the series on out of this world life. And we've been talking about how that on certain levels, we as Christians are engaging life spiritually in a way that is out of this world and today i want to call you to this idea that we are also engaging in a spiritual warfare 
that is out of this world. One that has an enemy. One that has very specific strengths and even a strategy. And so those truths that are found in the art of war actually do apply to Christian warfare. We must know our enemy. We must know our strength, and we must know what our strategy and our approach is. Let's read together in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Here's what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand with, uh, withstand the evil day. And having done all this, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. As you hear that, I want you to hear this, that God has an approach, the Bible has an approach to spiritual warfare. The same way the art of war talks about you must have an approach to spiritual warfare, so does the Bible. So the first thing I want us to notice then as we look at this is this, that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. We must know our enemy. If we're going to engage in spiritual warfare, we must know who we are fighting against. We'll look at the scripture again. I want you to notice in verse 11, here's what it says. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We ask the question, who is our enemy? As Christians, who is our enemy? Here's the answer. Our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is the devil. This is the enemy throughout Scripture, all the way from generation to revolution or Genesis to Revelation, right? I mean, from the beginning to the end, we have this enemy in the devil. We see, we see him throughout Scripture, this force of evil, Satan, Satan, the accuser, the deceiver, the maligner. This is the one that Peter calls our adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion. I want you to see who this enemy is. He's seeking to devour someone. We read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Let's wrap our head around that for just a moment. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour someone. This is the one that we are up against. Scripture will also say in the book of Revelation that this is the dragon who has come to eat and to destroy the church. That's his goal. He wanted to eat Christ and destroy Christ, and now he is just licking his lips to destroy the church. This is the one in Genesis that we read about, the snake, the serpent, attacking God's children. He is mean. I mean, you just watch him in, in Genesis 
attacking the children of God. The devil, Satan. When we think about our enemy, this is who we're up against. He roams around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I always think about the people in London during World War II and how that the English people were up against an enemy whether they liked it or not. They were up against an enemy whether they liked it or not. And you just see these children and these widows and these, you know, just individ different individuals who wouldn't have engaged in war, but there is an enemy out to get them, whether they like it or not. Guys, there is an enemy out to get us, whether we like it or not. So the question becomes, are we going to engage in warfare? This enemy. But not only is he a lion, and not only is he a dragon, and not only is he a snake, but I want you to hear what Scripture says. Look again in Ephesians. He has schemes. It says the schemes of the devil. It, uh, the word scheme here is the word for trickery. Trickery. This is the master manipulator. So he's not just a lion out to eat us. He's tricky. He's tricky. He's manipulative. Do you remember how manipulative he was with Eve? Do you remember how he did that? How he got her alone and attacked do you remember how manipulative he was manipulative he was when he tried to deceive jesus by quoting scripture to him he's a trickster and scripture goes on if you go back to ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 he said it says this for we do not battle against flesh and blood so not only is he a lion and not only is he deceptive and tricky, he's not even flesh and blood. So in other words, the way that we fight this enemy is different. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. However, oftentimes we fight battles as if it is flesh and blood. I mean, that's how we know to fight. Can you imagine once again if we approached Vietnam, for instance, the way we approached World War II? In fact, that's what happened. We approach Vietnam the way we approach World War II. Disaster. Well, here we are, and we're fighting a battle, and the way we know to fight is to fight flesh and blood. And here God says, look, the enemy is not flesh and blood. Throughout history, individuals have forgotten that battle is not against flesh and blood because that's how we are used to fighting. And we fight this way, Christians direct energy towards the wrong source towards people and satan gets us in his grasp and we become like him our battle is not flesh and blood and we can't forget that historically people have forgotten that so when we fight when we say soldiers of christ arise we have to ask the question well how do we do that what are we talking about we don't fight flesh and blood. And you know what that means? That means the devil never tires. He never stops. He never sleeps. He's always on mission. He's always on point. He's invisible. As if life weren't hard enough. I want you to think about this. As if life weren't hard enough, well, all the things that we have to deal with in life, 
we have an enemy that is a roaring lion that seeks to devour us and he is tricky and he is invisible and he never sleeps and he never stops. Can I say something? I think we have to be gracious to people who get eaten by him. Because I'll just be honest with you, it seems to me like this is a pretty strong force that is out of control. And when we see people who are hurt by him, there must be some level of understanding. Do we know what we are up against? Do we know what we're up against? And to make matters worse, I want you to listen to the passage of Scripture in verse 12. It says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, he's saying there are more villains in this story than you even realize. There are more villains in this story than you even know. I don't know if you guys remember, we did a, a sermon series called Destinations a while back. And in that sermon series, I did Ephesians. I did the church at Ephesus. And in that story, we talked about how Ephesus as a church was a church that was in a city of magic and witchcraft. Do you all remember that? It was a dark destination. As Paul is going through this in chapter 6, what he's saying is this. You guys know the spiritual warfare that you talk about with your magic books and all the different categories and classifications of evil and demons and monsters that are out there in your magic books. Oh, Satan's got that too. Satan's got that too. He's got his own classification system. He's got people, you know, under him, forces under him. There are cosmic, spiritual, dark powers at work here in number, in authority, in span of time and space. You are out of your league. That's all he's saying. You're out of your league. Do you know what we are up against? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, and spiritual forces evil in the heavenly places. So here it is. You have an enemy who is a prowling, roaring, hungry, invisible, spiritual, cosmic lion who never sleeps and he never stops. And he has a team, and they want to eat you. How does that make you feel when you hear that? That's scary. That's terrifying. No wonder people fall to sin. No wonder. No wonder. But when I hear that, as overwhelming as that is, I think to myself, well, is there any answer? Is there any hope? And here's what's so fascinating. God gives us an answer in Ephesians. He gives us an answer. We have to ask the question, how are we going to battle this evil? What strength do we have? We must know our strength. Our strength is found not in ourselves, but somewhere else. I want you to hear this in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter 6, excuse me, verse 10. Listen to what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want you to hear it. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This is typical Bible. This is, this is Bible 101. They give us this overwhelming answer of, of, of the problem. We have this overwhelming problem. How are we going to deal with this overwhelming problem? And the answer is so subtle and it's so small. You think about the book of Revelation, you see 
all of these cosmic demonic forces that are against the world and then God shows up and it's just like one verse God wipes them all out well here it is in this passage of scripture there's these forces that are just so huge how are we gonna fight these forces scripture comes back and he says this finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might just a small phrase the word here that I want you to notice is the word strength it actually comes up three times in the verse the word that says strong strength and might if you were to look at it in the Greek you'd see the word strength three different ways in this passage the first word strong means to be strengthened by something be strengthened by something and then the next two strongs the, the second one is just a natural strength and then the third one is just a power or strength okay so it's literally it's saying this be strengthened by the strength of God's strength that's literally what it's saying be strengthened by the strength of God's strength if we were to go through and we knew the Greek and we went through it that's literally what this verse was trying to tell us be strengthened by the strength of God's strength so what's the answer what is our strength our strength is in the Lord our strength is in the Lord what kind of strength is that well that's the strength that created the universe that's the strength that created the universe what kind of strength is that that's the strength that delivered the Israelites from their enemies what kind of strength is that that's the strength that saved mankind and raised Jesus from the tomb be strengthened by the strength of his of his strength by be strengthened by the strength of God's strength we see this one who fights for us and that's the reason why when we notice Jesus he is constantly in prayer have you noticed that Jesus is constantly praying and he says things like this the son can do nothing apart from the father Jesus actually says this the son can do nothing apart you know why he's saying that because he needs God and so we see Jesus and Jesus is quoting scripture and Jesus is praying and he's just constantly uh, just filling himself up with God and then he goes into battle with the devil and he wins how does he do that because his strength is found in God alone and that's why Jesus tells Peter Satan wants to sift you like wheat he wants to destroy you but I prayed I prayed and Jesus will th say things like hey our battle is not against flesh and blood if it were this kingdom this kingdom is not of this world if it were of this world we would grab swords and we would fight but when the battle is coming for him and the Apostles Jesus tells the Apostles you guys need to pray you need to pray what do they do they fall asleep and Jesus prays all night and then here they come in with swords and here goes Peter to go chop off somebody's ear and what's Jesus doing healing and blessing and transforming but Jesus is standing strong because Jesus submits to his God's strength he knows that the battle is not won with flesh and blood but it's found in the Lord alone our strength is not found in ourselves 
It's not found in ourselves. It's not found in our abilities. It's not found in how, how good we are, how strong we are, how capable we are to fight the devil. It's not found in that. It's found in God alone. So we must know our enemy. And we must know our strength. But here's the question. Is there a strategy? Is there a strategy for warfare? We must know our strategy. We have to know. So what do we do? How do we go engage in war if we plan to survive against an enemy like the devil? Well, Ephesians chapter 6 is interesting because it gives us the answer twice. It says it two different ways that are very, very similar, but it gives us the answer twice. I want you to notice it. It's found in verse 11 and then verse 13. He says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil, the schemes of the devil. And then verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to, to stand firm. Stand therefore. So here's, here's essentially what he's saying. Our strategy is suit up and stand up. Our strategy is suit up and stand up. Now I want you to listen to how he says you suit up. Because we know, we know this passage, but I don't read it to you. It says, having fastened on a belt of truth and having put on the, the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Oh, by the way, one other thing about the devil, he shoots flaming darts. We just learned that as well. Keep going here in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. So as I read through that, what I picture and what I envision is what I remember seeing growing up. This illustration of, of this, these parts of armor that the soldier is wearing. And here you have, uh, you know, the helmet of salvation, the bless, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and all these different pieces of armor. And as I was thinking about that, it occurred to me something, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. This is very, you know, this is fascinating armor. We could, we could do sermons on each piece of armor here. And we could get wrapped up in this. But here's what I want you to notice. Every single piece of armor is about one thing, and it's God. For instance, long for God. Long for God. Be like God. Know God. Hear God. Trust God. Share God. Follow God. And then prayer is talk to God. If we were to take all of the things in the armor and just kind of sum them up, they would all be about God. They'd all be about God. Which is interesting to me because we've already said, what can I do in this battle? How am I going to fight this battle? And the answer is God. God. Here's why I bring it up is because in my past, I thought, you know, if I could just get all of these things figured out and how to do them best, then I can engage in spiritual warfare. Did you notice that the passage of Scripture doesn't say, it doesn't tell us how to use our sword, it just says take it? Did you notice that? It doesn't tell you how to use it, it just says take it. 
It says, hey, take the shield of faith so that you can go against the flaming darts of the devil. It doesn't tell you how to use the sword of faith. It just says to take the sword of faith. You know why? Because once you get it, you don't have to use it. I know this is going to kind of, it's out there, but listen to me. It's just about God. When he says take the sword, which is the word of God, he's just saying read your Bible. When he says pray, he's just saying pray. He's not saying pray good. He's not saying here's how you pray. He just says pray. Have faith. If you go and you summarize these things, what he's saying is trust God. If I ask a kid, I said, hey, did you know you have an enemy who's against you? He's invisible. He wants to eat you. He's got an army. He's out to get you. But God is very powerful. What do you think you're supposed to do? You know what the kids say? Trust God. Pray. Read. That's what, the, that's what the armor is. The armor is trusting God. And so we see this in the passage of Scripture. Listen to what he says. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Once again, he says in verse 13, that you may be able to stand. Look at how many times the word stand shows up in this passage. We'll just put it up here. Stand against the schemes. Withstand the evil day. Stand firm. Stand. He doesn't say, put on the armor of God so you can go into battle. He says, put on the armor of God so you can stand. Why is he saying that? Because he's making an argument. Trust God and stand in that. Turn to God and stand in that. God has called us to just stand. Just stand. Stand in him. Stand in the good times and stand in the bad times. Stand up when things are up. And stand up when things are down. Stand with God. When people leave God or when other people are with God, regardless, you stand with God. When storms come and when life hits and when worries rise, you stand. You put on God and you stand. That's what he's saying. Turn to God and stand. Be with God and stand. Say, well, I don't know how to read the Bible that well. doesn't matter. Read it. Well, I don't know how to pray that well. doesn't matter. Pray. Just turn to God and stand in that. What's our strategy? Suit up and stand up. I want to ask you this question. Will you suit up and will you stand up with God? Will you turn to him and stand in that? When all the forces of the world are against you, when everything is against the church, when you have doubts and when you have fears, when you read the Bible and it doesn't make sense, or when you read the Bible and it just makes all the sense in the world, will you stand in that? Here's the crazy thing. Our strategy is nothing else. There's no other strategy. There's no other strategy. There's no other strategy given in Scripture than this strategy. Hey, you have an enemy. He's horrible. He's mean. He's going to eat you. But you have a God, and he is strong. Be strengthened in the strength of his strength and stand in him. Turn to him. Put on him and stand in him. Will you do that? Well, i got to tell you today, it's easy for me to miss the point of Scripture. 
It's easy for me to think we are fighting against flesh and blood and think that we are here and we've got to do it on our own two feet and our own strength when God says, trust in me. Stand firm in me, says God. So I want to encourage you today to stand firm in him. This week, stand firm in him. If you don't know him, this is an opportunity to know him. We want you to know him. We want you to put on him a baptism and be saved, to have that relationship with him. If you do know him, this is the day to stand firm in him and to be strengthened in the strength of his strength. If you need anything from this body, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?